welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama and we watch it two episodes at a time and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes seven and eight of Love in Contract. Woo-woo! I... Woo-woo! Oh, it's hard because I think we're going to have to take a break after this week's episode. Just like one or two weeks off because all of the travel made us get really behind on our recording schedules and I'm yeah. so sorry. So we're going to just take like one or two weeks off. And this feels like a terrible place to do it because these episodes were bleh. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wish that there was more of a come back, come back and see what's going on kind of feel to especially episode eight. Right? Uh, the cliffhanger for eight was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. This sucks. Yeah. I am not surprised that they decided to bring back Jiho's ex-wife. Like, that seems like something they were building toward this whole time. I think it was supposed to be a surprise that it was her, like, when she made the most awkward introduction possible. Uh, who cuts into a conversation who gets introduced to someone and instead of saying hi nice to meet you you just turn and say i was married to that man like what is wrong with this woman yeah um i can't imagine what that marriage was like when they were together (laughs) where he struggles with social interaction and she also struggles with social interaction (laughs) in very different ways yeah, complete like opposite ways where he has a hard time sharing his feelings and she impulsively shouts out facts about her life. <laughs> She's got a hard time not sharing her feelings. But I feel like yeah. the whole everything about that storyline was so weird. Like they tried to do some build up where Kong Hae Jin was like, I need a lawyer and not my family's company lawyer. And you're like, I can make some assumptions of why not, why he wants a different lawyer, but I feel like they could have explained that and made it made a lot more sense so that he's like, yeah. I want this type of lawyer for this reason because I'm looking out for this problem, but instead it was all very vague. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like it would have taken maybe 15 extra seconds for him to say, I want that this type of lawyer for this reason to handle this problem. And also, I don't really trust my family right now because they are trying to get involved in my life. Like, it's very implied where it's like he doesn't want to use his family's lawyer because his family is losing their minds and trying to meddle in his life. And he really needs to separate from that. And he needs his legal team to be on his side and not his family's side. It's heavily implied, but 15 extra seconds for him to say that, to say, I need a lawyer that's on my team and not a lawyer that's on my mom's team or my brother's team or my dad's team. Uh, that That's what is important to me, is my own legal representation. Um, and also, it would be nice to have someone who specializes in public relations or whatever to help me manage how out of control the media is making my life as well. Uh Amazing. That would be a couple extra seconds, and we would have felt a lot more comfortable with her appearing out of nowhere. Um, and they gave us, and this is what spoiled it. They gave us the same shots of her face that they've been giving us of the shot of the ex-wife before she, when she's presenting the divorce papers to Jiho. So immediately, we know. Was am I? Like, making a big deal out of this for no reason, and they actually wanted us to know? Is that the thing? They wanted us to know it was her? Or were they like, ha, ah, secret, who's this? Because uh, I, like I think it- they wanted us to know, but I yeah, don't really okay. know why. Like you said, there could have been some build-up there, but they were like, "We it'll be more fun if the audience knows before anybody else knows. But I think it was weird because they... I thought then that they would do one or two episodes where she's interacting more and more with Kang Hae Jin and his team and even gets some interactions with Che Sang Eun and they start to build a relationship of some weird sort and we see that unfold. 
before we see um god what's his name jung ji ho before we see jung ji ho come into the equation i feel like the pacing was weird in being like big reveal it's jung ji ho's ex-wife and then like the very next time we see her it's all of them interacting together and it's like why did you do the big reveal then why didn't you wait and have the big reveal be the cliffhanger yeah would have made so much more sense yeah that would have been kind of fun to just have the lawyer show up and have it be very innocuous and yeah then by the second interaction or whatever that she has or the next time she's on screen all of a sudden it's all of them then i would have Maybe it's one of those things where if you're looking for the clues, you probably would catch on to that. Yeah. But also at the same time, if they didn't spoon feed like who that was <laughs> to us and then immediately introduce her into spontaneously in an almost uncomfortable way into the drama and not uncomfortable in a, oh, I'm subverting your expectations. You didn't see this coming kind of way. It's, we saw it coming the whole time. We saw her walking into that hotel room because she simply couldn't wait to meet Kong Hae Jin. We knew that Jiho was on his way. There was so many things, or there were so many things that led into us seeing this happening as it was happening. And it didn't feel like one of those things where it, it's ironic because the viewer knows what is about to happen. It felt like one of those things where it, it could have been, like you said, it could have been build up. It could have been suspense. It could have been sho- a shocking twist that no one saw coming. And instead it was, we all can see this coming and it feels contrived. We all can see this coming because we showed you it was coming from a mile away. And maybe it's compounded by the way that she acts and not the actress. The actress is doing a great job. The way that the writers have written this person is so weird that maybe just the whole thing fell apart for me. But it's just like she goes to the CEO and she's like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm your new legal representative. And he says this really weird like, in my opinion, awful thing to a professional woman where he's like, people have said that your looks got you to where you are instead of your skill. And she's just like, okay. And that line is never dealt with. She's never like, wow, that's the most sexist thing I've ever heard. And you just said it to my face (laughs) in our first meeting. Wow. What a, what a weird start to our relationship. Okay. But that's just like completely blown over whatever and then she's like i really want to meet kong hae jin i will literally follow him to a hotel that he is staying in to track him down and find him just so i can say hi and it's like you sound maybe a bit like a stalker fan do you Uh, think she is this she's the woman on the motorbike right she's the (laughs) motorbike person this is yeah this is what it's all that's the only thing that would make sense for her behavior to be like, we have to meet as soon as possible. It's like, ma'am, it is freaking 6 p.m. on a Sunday. We do not need to meet right now in my hotel. Mm-hmm. And then without even introducing herself, she's just like, that's my ex-husband. Like, who is this person? I yeah. don't understand her. Yeah, I feel like that the comment of your looks uh, got you or your looks undermine your job or whatever the comment was felt like one of those we're trying to tell you that she's extremely pretty instead of just showing us where it's one of those things where it's like we have eyes we can see that everyone in this whole entire k-drama is an absolute hottie like you don't have to tell (laughs) us that she's beautiful and on top of that the like the costume designer did a really good job of being like I'm going to accentuate her beauty instead of dressing her in a very typical, almost more frumpy, like, political advisor suit where she Mm -hmm. doesn't look like a Secret Service agent. She doesn't look like this very high political person that's just grounded in her work. She looks like she dresses for style first and for her, like, she she is dressed professionally, but with a lot of flair. 
And yeah, so I very think bold. It, yeah. So I think, yeah, we can see that she is beautiful and confident and daring. And so to have this person tell us was just like, oh, he sounds awful. And he has not been like a good character so far. So I guess he's just the worst character now. <laughs> well, he's the, the bad guy. We yeah. hate him. <laughs> Why? Why is he saying that? Weird vibes. Just weird vibes all over with that whole character. But I thought it was really early to introduce her. I thought she would come like episode 10 through 12. Yeah. And when we got just a little bit more from Che Sang-un and Jung Ji-ho. I, right. They were getting a little more established and that would yeah. really rock their... Because they've had two fairly well-established interactions and then Jung Ji-ho was ready. He he was fine. He had that little conversation with his co-workers where they said exactly what they meant when they typed <laughs> it out anonymously <laughs> on the internet in the... Is it their work channel that they're having like Reddit uh, yep. conversations in? Because <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> you're calling one of your coworkers a loser constantly you're yeah. like I know this person works in the building and I will say go to bed loser every night <laughs> Over, and then I will tell it to all of my colleagues knowing that one of these that this is all anonymous and I'm making a lot of assumptions that it's not one of these people in the room and I'm going to go ahead and continue to call them a loser and then embellish a little bit on what I meant by <laughs> you're such a loser. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. These are the people who, when their boss, the first time he's ever asked to eat lunch with them, he was like, hey, guys, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to be a normal person today. Can I eat lunch with you? And they were like, yes, absolutely. Can we tell you? Everybody is making fun of your tie. It is really bad, and we would oh also like God. to make fun of it. And also, your wife's going to leave you any moment now. If we're just, like, <laughs> being honest at the lunch table, let's get it all out there. She must hate you to pick that tie. And it was supposed to be so wholesome. And I think there was a part of me that wanted him to wear it anyway. But they just eviscerated him so thoroughly that I, I think he couldn't and still be a person in in that work <laughs> environment. So I get why he took it off. But Yeah, I just, I feel like, I think the office people are some of my favorite because they're written to be such K-drama characters where they're <laughs> a, quite a bit over the top, but not in a way that they can really have a big effect on the storyline. Like they can have yeah. an effect on Jung Ji-ho's feelings, but they're not derailing things where I think maybe that's my just going to get back on the I don't like Kong Hae Jin train. But I think that was my frustration also with the lady in this episode, the, the wife coming back, is that we got one tiny step forward with Jung Ji Ho and Chae Sang Un. They're getting so much closer to a relationship. And then the writers were like, we want Kong Hae Jin to be like the ultimate damsel in distress. Like this dude is like, he now has a drugs and alcohol problem. He's got problems with his family. He needs actual help. And Chae Sung He's falling apart. He's falling apart. <laughs> and Chae Sung has to do that. And I was like, that kind of feels like it's out of nowhere. But I guess if you're going to write in some drama, write in some drama. And then they're like, on top of that. The ex-wife is also coming back. And it's like, why do we yeah. need 10 things trying to tear these people apart? We've had no progress with them. They don't need to be torn apart. They're not together yet. Yeah, you don't have to do this. You're going too far. Uh, yeah, I was really, really annoyed. Um, like you said, we've we've been not stoked on Kong Hae Jin for the past couple podcast episodes. I think pretty much he had us for the first one where he was like, not so bad. Um, he seemed pretty okay. And then like kind of constantly after that, he, at one point we were trying to watch an episode together and there was already a lot going on, <laughs> but it reached that part where, um, where Kong Hae Jin and, uh, Choi Sung-un. Choi Sung-un. Choi Sung-un were 
having a conversation and it was so infuriating that we had to turn it off. We were like, <laughs> the one uh, where they're on a boat? Never mind. Yeah. And that was really frustrating. But so he's been pretty consistently frustrating. I have never been more furious than, um, the, like, here's the thing. Drugs and alcohol is a, a addiction is like a terrible problem. I, I am in no way downplaying that. Like, at all. Um, I feel like I should make a disclaimer ahead of this because I kind of just want to like roast him super hard and I want to make it clear that it is separate from um, like the actual issue of addiction or depression or, um, you know, the many things that he could be going through and, and mostly focus in on the fact that he is such a dependent person that like like you said, it all of a sudden had to be Choi Sung that had to be the person to pick up all of the pieces of his life in the face of something so terrible and that we're just supposed to take that at face value because he needs privacy and he needs she's the only one who can do it because no one can know that he's falling apart and that he's cause his family's not gonna be there for it. Like they've just created such a pitiful character in him and it really hit home because in the past episodes he was kind of a frustrating rich kid that we could tell had more layers or whatever that's kind of why he was somewhat more tolerable um but it's like tough to have him now be have all of these I don't know, like, issues that maybe are supposed to be adding depth to his character, but they don't. And then, like, all of these other problems that are supposed like, oh, yeah, he's not just your classic rich kid. He's a rich kid with depression and drug and alcohol addiction. And it's like, no, that's, like, on par for the course. And then they're like, but you still should care about him because, like, it's really sad and really tough that he's going through all of this and he has nowhere to turn except... Choi Sung Un, and it's like he just met her. Yeah, he just met her, and like I don't know. It's it's more like it's starting to just be this thing where the character, like you said, they're just writing him as this immense damsel that has no way out, nowhere to turn, nothing to do, and it doesn't make me like him more. It just makes me feel like he's a pitiful inconvenience to the storyline. Where yeah. I'm like, wow. That dude needs to figure him his whole life out if he can't get this shit under control. They've written the saddest second male lead I've ever seen. And yeah, I think that's a very good description. Is an it it comes off feeling like an inconvenience to the rom-com, the entire romantic comedy that we are rooting for just suddenly also has this character who had plenty going on. He's got so much in built into his storyline between his family and the media and his company that he has to balance, his busy schedule. He's now hired Wu Guangam as his bodyguard. He's got like a million storylines going for him, and they could have chosen any one of those to be like, we want to we wanna add more depth here, and that will be what draws Che Sung-un in. And they were like, no, no, no. We're going to come totally out of left field with an entirely new storyline, and it's going to be, like you said, depression and a drug and alcohol dependency. And it's like, that's a real dark choice, my guys. And the only pe- person he has to rely on is this, essentially a stranger, his his own 500 days of summer that he has decided <laughs> is his person, and she's the only one that can be there for him. And that is to say, I feel like that part wasn't on him, because th- he was like, can you give me a ride? I think he said, can you take me home? And I thought they were in his parking garage and she was like actually i'm gonna take you across town i don't know what happened there at all so she takes (laughs) him to a hotel and then he passes out and she's like i can't call 911 because if an ambulance shows up and takes kong Jin away it could ruin his career which like that's sad on a whole nother level that's a separate issue of being like how are you in a place 
where your career is more important than your health. That is heartbreaking, and I don't know what to do with that. But it's so frustrating to me that she, as an adult woman, is like, well, that's the whole list. It's an ambulance or it's me. And I'm like, he has a manager? You just met his mom? You could call even your mom. You could call Tiffany and be like, yo, I don't know what to do in this situation. You could call Guagnam. There are, there's a list of people that you could call and be like, a man needs help. And it frustrates me, not just in the like storyline, but also in like someone's health is at risk and you've decided that you're an EMT. You are totally qualified to take care of them. Like that drove me crazy that it was just like, he could die, but I'll do my best. I'll put a cold pad on his forehead and he probably won't die. Like, yeah, bish. A man's life is at stake, and you're playing doctor right now? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And and that kind of flippant joke that she made about how she found out that the way to break someone's fever is to give them no blankets at all. And there was a part of me that's like, that's not medically sound. You can't, that, that's not how that works. Um, I'm glad that you were able to break his fever that way. Uh, I don't know if you can just be like, proud of me. I, I leveled up. I developed a new skill. I've got a million of them. Make it a million and one. I can now figure out how to break someone's fever without any blankets or any help. Like, it's just super, super wild. And yeah, I, I think that they could make, and maybe, maybe that's the intention. This, what I'm about to say is the intention in the latter half of the show, but I would love to see some kind of support system developed for him, like healthy support system developed for him out of maybe like a friendship he develops with Guangnam or something. I think that would be really cool. Like then he would have his manager who's like on his team in his corner and he has like Guangnam in his corner and maybe Guangnam can give him some really solid advice on managing family while trying to maintain your own agency and choices and uh they can really relate over that like that would have been really cool to have him in on this whole escapade uh instead of it being a really thinly veiled attempt at causing more of a love triangle that doesn't feel is really i mean i guess i'm thankful that it isn't really there like it doesn't feel like there's conflict right she's multiple times straight up said that she's not really interested in him and he keeps making some moves and big declarations and she'll he'll be like you should come over and she'll be like that is not reasonable. I will not be coming over. And then he'll look at his phone fondly like she just said, yeah, later. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, it's this weird attempt at making more of a love triangle where there isn't one. But the attempt is like putting a man's life at stake and being like, that's kind of funny, right? And you're like, I don't know what's happening, but if he just took a lot of drugs and alcohol, he probably needs more help than just her looking after him, like, caringly, lovingly throughout the night. That makes me yeah. really uncomfortable. And it doesn't I, seem like just a fever no. at that point. seems like we need a little bit of medical assistance and a little bit of psychiatric assistance. I would love if you guys would just stick to being like, he got regular sick and she looked after him and then there's a little bit of a a little bit of jealousy within Jung Ji Ho because they stayed the night together. Like, that's fine with me. Why do yeah. you have to take it to this weird dark place and then not acknowledge how dark it gets? You're like, right. We're bringing in the darkness, but it's probably fine. It's going to still be funny, though. You're like, it's not funny. It's still lighthearted. It's not. (laughs) This is, you've introduced some pretty unfunny stuff. Yeah. It doesn't feel lighthearted. No. Can you appreciate that? Can you appreciate what you've done? And they're like, no, no, we are not going to deal with the consequences (laughs) of this action. That will not be happening. Ew. Uh, Yeah. It's in weird. brighter news. Yeah. Sorry. Let's yeah. go. In Let's brighten news, it up. <laughs> I am super stoked about the Guan Nam getting a job as a bodyguard thing. 
If he gets hurt, I'll be furious, but I love him. I love that he showed up and kicked the shit out of those those, <gasps> those guys thugs. trying to con. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to pull off a con, and he said, no, are you kidding me? There's video cameras all over the place out here. Yes. Uh, you must be stupid. <laughs> I, yeah, I think my big dumb heart just wants like i want them to undo a lot of the stuff that has made kong hae jin so terrible and then add in that he's bisexual and that he hell yeah falls out of love with the person he thinks Chae sang Eun is because i don't think he's in love with her he's in love with the idea of her and falls totally in love with Wu gong nam that's my storyline now we've written it we've done it you, we did it. You just have to We've go back it. and erase a lot of Kong Hae Jin's other storylines. They sort of did in the way that uh, Guan Nam, Wu Guan Nam, right out the gate said, Hey, I'm gay. Or, Does that bother you? Uh, to kind of, like, he's not going to get burned again by having to keep his identity a secret. Fucking dope. I love that so man. Good. Infinitely, he said... Uh, actually, uh, part of the terms of my contract are that you need to not be a homophobe, so... Which you have publicly been. Yeah, you have publicly been homophobic, so let's talk about that. And so, yeah, in a way they kind of erased Kong Hijin's some of his shittiness by having him just deny that it was problematic for him to be publicly homophobic. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like it's really <laughs> only a problem for him if he is attractive to the gay people okay. that, <laughs> that are out there. It's like, um I'm not homophobic. I just don't want people to call me gay. And it's like, bro, what does that even mean? That is still homophobia for the record. <laughs> okay. That is still extremely problematic. Cause here's the thing. <laughs> You don't get to just cherry pick who finds you attractive. <laughs> and you don't get to dislike people for, like, finding you attractive where you would be flattered if someone of the opposite sex found you attractive. Like, that is so problematic to be like, no, no, no. If you are gay, I am, it might spread. So don't find me attractive. Like, that's insane. It's just, it doesn't make sense to say i'm totally an ally i love gay people i just don't want people to think i'm gay like that would be disgusting to me like bro what yeah. that is so bad <laughs> you see That's how that so doesn't bad. make sense <laughs> yeah um but but it's otherwise good <laughs> is a forgiving angel who needs knows cash. that yeah, needs cash, and honestly, at this point, it's like, that's the best reception he's received, unfortunately, and it makes me want to fight everyone. I want to, I want to, I want to see this just become Wu Guangnam, uh, but like him, and it's also a martial arts, uh, like it's, we're doing like a, it, this is the K2 starring Guangnam. Yes, yes! <laughs> Because I was obsessed. Like I said, I love a damsel in distress moment. I was obsessed with that scene where he kicked those dudes' butts and Chae Sung-un just sat in the car and was like, that's my guy. And like, that is <laughs> perfect to popped me. out. You good, bro? You good? Like, oh, good. I don't need a damsel in distress to be a romantic moment. It just has to be someone helping someone out in like a yes. big kick-ass way that's all i want and how proud she was she was like i know that guy that's my guy that's my, <laughs> that's my dude that's my roommate right there yeah, yeah. So, so good, good. is his show now yeah it was his show from the moment he showed up but <laughs> for real but even more so every time he shows up on screen the show gets Better and better. The only way they can fix this cliffhanger is if he's the fifth person to enter that lobby. <laughs> Just walks in. <laughs> What's good, guys? <laughs> hey. I'm here to bodyguard. <laughs> what? Who's this? Tell me everything. Tell me he everything. immediately wants to... He he does that gasp from the last <laughs> episodes. He's like, what's happening? Tell me everything. Tell me everything. <laughs> like, can... Yes. 
can they can they just have Wugong Nam walk in and then they all have to awkwardly explain who each person in the circle is to him as he just like gasps. It's perfect. <laughs> the lawyer would have no problems with say so I was married to this guy and now I'm this guy's <laughs> lawyer. <laughs> this is his fiance. But I also think there's something maybe going on with these two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wugong Nam is like, I am tight lipped. I'm not telling you anything. You seem like the weirdest person I've ever met. <laughs> I don't speak to lawyers, but thank you for that information. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to our listeners that it'll take a couple weeks for you guys to find our reactions to the the end of that cliffhanger. We're going to watch it. We're going to keep recording. We've got to record as much as possible so we can actually release episodes on time every week going forward. Mm-hmm. But, but you, I mean, you guys can watch ahead, but you'll have to wait to hear what we say about it. But it's all out there. Like, watch as much as you want. You just have to wait and hear what uh, our really... Um, I don't, I, downer isn't the right word, are really, like, <laughs> abrasive takes, like, combative, how can we fight this drama? How can like, we fight this we're drama? Because it's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess of a drama, and they lost me. It was a mess in a good way, but right now it's a mess in a bad way, and I'm getting frustrated. Yeah. Oh, there is one more thing, really quick, just... I don't really have that much to say about it. It is just, like, vaguely frustrating that Tiffany once again tried to make a business move acting like she had the upper hand and didn't have the upper hand, and now apparently, like, the biggest company in Korea wants uh, Choi Sung-un to leave the country. It's hard. I wish they hadn't started the show with her being, like, my ultimate dream the best thing that could ever happen to me is being able to leave the country. Because it just it just feels like such a weird conflict to later be like, obviously she's falling in love with a person, and that's what she really wanted. That's why she wanted to leave the country. So she could start anew and fall in love and be a real person. But it it is hard that at one point we were like, she's going to leave the country and that's everything she ever wanted. And now they're like, oh, the ultimate conflict she might have to leave the country. And I'm like, no. It doesn't <laughs> feel like quite as bad as you're trying to make us feel. Because she, I know she probably doesn't want to anymore, but she maybe still is okay with it. So it doesn't feel like quite the punishment that you're trying to drive home. Like, yeah, what if she and Jung Ji-ho and Wu Guangnam all leave the country together? Ina group? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Ina Ina group gets what they want. She can support them at this point. Um, She just, well, to be honest, she would need to get all of her money back that she spent uh, on her really unstable adoptive mother. Yeah. And, uh, but, I mean, in a way, she kind of is by working for Kong Hye Jin. And then she supports them. I mean, I don't know that the judge thing will transfer to, like, Canada, but Jung Ji-ho, I'm sure, can figure something out. Yeah, and he'll be fine. Wu Guangnam actually might stick around and just be a bodyguard. Maybe he supports them. <gasps> because he is making $4,000 a month now. $4,200 a month. Boom, boom, boom. He just sends them money in Canada. Yeah, yeah, like, I get it, I get that's what nobody wants. It's not the <laughs> ideal situation anymore. But it was weird to have the first half of these episodes be like, all she wants is to leave the country, and then the second half be like, all this group wants is for her to leave the country. And you're like, that's, isn't that good, though, a little bit? Uh, it's fine. But I know what you mean. It's... Tiffany's whole storyline is so convoluted, and I'm kind of sick of it, and I don't need Ina Group stepping in. I liked the one guy being like, I'm kind of on your team. I've literally known you've been in the country for years, and I've never told anybody. Like, that guy was cool to me. I love that for him, but... Yeah, he seemed like a... He seemed like... He seems like he's kind of a homie, just generally, but I can't really tell, because business people... He kind of looks the same as all the other business people in this to me. Yeah, fair. And I don't 
I didn't get what happened with his coworker, like leaning over and reading Chesangun's emails. Did you get that? Oh yeah. I think it was just like she didn't know about the acquisition that's or merger or something that's going on, and so she was. I think maybe the point of that was so that we knew that there was some kind of merger or deal happening with Ina Group and some other group, and there's all of this big thing, like all these big things are happening, and that's why they want Choi Sungun out of the country so badly is that she's gonna be a potential liability for them, and but they didn't want us to read the email. Or have Choi sung in say in a really normal way where she's like, let me get this straight. Uh, you want me to leave the country now because of this? And instead they had that one woman just lean over and be like, oh, what's going on? I had no clue that the company I was working for and I'm making these weird cafe deals for <laughs> is doing these things. Huh? Okay, because I read it as her being like, why does Chae Sung-un have all this insider information? And then we just also have to wonder, like, why does Chae Sung-un have all this insider information? Uh, But it might have been just, like, a news article. I genuinely don't know what was happening. Yeah. I wish that I could be your guiding light here. (laughs) I I don't know either. I just, that's all, what I just said is what I think is happening. Okay. I don't feel confident in that. I mean, okay, I feel like one, I want to touch on two things before we go. One is a really good piece of news that we got a lot of clarification with Kang Hae-jin's family. It was right at the end of episode eight. They took their sweet time. We've had a lot of interactions with those people, but I have no idea what was going on. And we finally got a lot of clarification. Yes. Again, 15 seconds makes everything so much better. Take the 15 seconds to just, all he had to do was lay it out. And it, it took him, it was really quick. And then both us and Choi Sung-un were like, oh, okay. But I feel like Tiffany Yu probably also knew all that stuff and could have told Jamie while she was raising her. Like, here's all the inside info. This family looks good from the outside, but we at Ina Group know that they're not all they're cracked up to be. It's weird that it took us as the audience so long to get that information. I feel like somebody else could have presented it a lot sooner in the show so that we didn't have 10 scenes with all these people in the family where we're like, they seem like good brothers. Do they like their mom or do they not like their mom? What's the relationship between their mom and their dad? And there's just all this stuff that we have no clue what's going on. Now looking back on it, it all makes sense and it's fine. But we're eight episodes in before you explain what's happening. Weird. Weird timing, guys. Yeah, weird play. But I guess we'll take it now that we're here. One last thing, which is I don't know how I feel about it now that we've discussed just how much drama they're trying to pack into the show. It feels like just one more thing. But at the time, it felt like an appropriate amount of drama. Um, Jung Ji Ho's aunt being just completely unstable and inappropriate with a child. Just like such weird vibes from that lady constantly yelling at him and being like, I love you, but literally nobody else in this world ever will. So... Get, stay quiet. Children should be seen and not heard. And um, that's it. That's the rules in this house. It's like, I don't get what you're about, but you are off. Yeah. Super, super bizarre. And it's also interesting because I think in the fir- in the second episode or something, his cousin showed up, right? And was like, hey, you don't recognize me? Oh, yeah. And huh. Yeah, there's that whole storyline that I'm wondering if that's going to come back up where his unstable no. aunt and her kids <laughs> decide to enter the enter the battle. No, please don't, guys. I think <laughs> that's fair. I think that's fair. That's a good prediction. I really don't want it. It's one too many things. I feel like it made sense for his character backstory to be like, he didn't just have an ex-wife who told him he should be seen and not heard. He also grew up hearing that. And so that that divorce really compounded 
some childhood trauma, and that's why it's affected him so much later in his adult life. Like, that's good writing. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think the part that was frustrating to me was that his aunt sometimes was really nice and was like, I'm on your team, I'm on your side, and then would explode at him and be like, your dad's dead, don't ever talk about him. And it's like, you never told him that. He didn't know his dad was dead. And then the thing with his cousin and the fish, and she's like, nobody's going to ever like you if um, if you tell people that they're behaving out of line. It's like, I don't even get what that was about, ma'am. Yeah. She just, yeah. It was so weird. It was all so, so weird. The whole family interaction that she presents. And yeah, like you said, it's good writing for us to understand where he's coming from, that he has a really hard time talking at all, let alone about how he feels or what people should or shouldn't be doing. But also it was, yeah, that poor kid, I guess, is all I've got. <laughs> I know. I, it does make me, if they introduce the whole storyline where Choi Sung-un figures out about how he has been treated by his ex-wife and by his family in the past and, like, how he got to where he is. I just... There is this dark, unforgiving part of me that wants her to feel bad for all of the times that it almost felt like she was deliberately misunderstanding him, even though she was talking about how she totally gets that the house is perfect. It's just that the door is broken or whatever. That same analogy that she used previously, but then continuously when he says a particular thing. And the, these last couple episodes weren't so bad. Like, they had some really cute interactions where he would say something and it would, like, make her laugh, but it was, like, what he was angling for or what he was trying to do that was really sweet. It was... He has some really low-key sense of humor that really gets her, and I like that. Um, but that said, there have been so many times in the past that she has gotten so upset with him for saying something fairly innocuous, maybe presented incorrectly, but she acts like what she likes about him most is that he isn't like other people, and then when he does something that's not like other people, she immediately is like, I don't even know why I talk to him. <laughs> I'm going to ghost him. Yeah. He's a terrible person who says terrible things, and it's just... I So I hope that if they introduce that storyline, she's also like, oh no, the amount of times I've told him to shut his stupid mouth and that like he, he doesn't know how to talk to people and maybe he shouldn't try. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I do feel ashamed of myself now. Yeah. And I hope they give us more opportunities where he says stuff kind of like he did in the first few episodes that could be misinterpreted. And she doesn't misinterpret them. Because I feel like in the last couple episodes, we've seen a lot of their interactions change. And it feels like that's because they changed a lot of his dialogue to be mm -hmm. more normal, quote unquote, like less misunderstandable and more cutesy. Right. He's very clever. He's sharing a different side of himself. And that's great. But can we see him talk to her in a very relaxed manner? a way that's normal for him that they showed us in the first six episodes and have her be like, I get it. I get what you meant. You might have said it in the wrong way, though. Like, yeah, I want some more of those. Yeah, like a super reasonable conversation. Kind of that thing where we're getting to see him grow. And that's sort of the point of what they're doing now, where she's like, I'm going to help you feel more comfortable socializing at work. Um, and I'm going to do so from, like, the standpoint of, like, being your wife or whatever. And that's kind of her job right now. But I would also like to see, as she falls in love with him, her her meet him where he's at more often. Yeah. And not just expect him to be the one who moves Can where she's at. Can she also change? Can they both yeah. change? What if they were both dynamic? What if they were both dynamic? Why does he have to be the only one being, like... I will try and be more like other people for you. Can she also mm -hmm. be like, okay, I will try and meet you where you are and understand you when nobody else does? Hmm? Hmm? How, cu how cute would that be? Romance. Romance. Make it happen. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Please don't let us down. 
<laughs> we will see. Um, do you have anything else you want to say? Nope. I think that's it for me. Email us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah! Uh, or, alternatively, reach out to us on our website, comment on episodes, uh, sign up for the newsletters, or check out our affiliate links like Skillshare if you're interested in learning a new skill, NordVPN if you'd like to secure your presence on the internet and also find some K-dramas that aren't licensed in your region, and uh, Blueberry Podcasting if you're interested in starting a podcast. Also, let us know if you start a podcast. I want to hear it. I want to give you a shout out. I want to know what you guys are interested in. So hit us up. That's all playonk.com. On playonk.com, there's also a link to our Patreon, or you can go directly to patreon.com slash playonk, and that is the best way to support our show and get some of our bonus content. Yes, another extremely wonderful way that is 100% free to support the show is to take a couple of minutes to rate, review, or subscribe, or some combination of those actions wherever you listen to us. Uh, it helps other K-Drama podcast listeners find us. And um, yeah, that's just like a big thing for building building our community, having more people watching K-Dramas and hanging out with us and talking about them. Yeah. You can always give us a hey on Twitter at PlayOnK, on Instagram at PlayOnK Podcast, or on TikTok at PlayOnK underscore Emily. And we'd love it if you did. Yeah, I think that's everything, right? Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, not next week, but join us probably the week after. Probably. Or something. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll keep you guys updated. It's not going to be an extended break. It's going to be a short break, but we just need to catch up after all of our travel. So we'll plan on seeing you for the next episode of reviewing Love in Contract. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
拜拜。